Cultivate Simple, episode 54, Think Before You Eat. I'd rather be a farmer I'd rather work the land I'd rather see the mountainsides I'd rather see your I'd rather swim the ocean I'd rather not pretend I'd rather do some thinking Welcome to Cultivate Simple, an honest and unrehearsed discussion about trying to live a more simple life. This is episode 54, and today we are going to be talking about our day-to-day hmm. and uh, various happenings that happened during our day today. I don't want to scare anybody off straight off the bat, uh, but we we are going to give a full disclosure warning uh, at the beginning of this episode for our uh, vegetarian friends. Um, we have we have one friend, uh, Joan, that we've talked about many times on the show, and she said that whenever... Um, her neighbor is slaughtering his pigs that he always gives her a call to let her know that it's going to be taking place so that, you know, she can drive the other way. Yeah. She can drive the other way and not drive past his house and see the, the, the sights of that. Um, so we are later on in the show where we are going to be discussing, um, slaughtering our pigs, which we did today. Um, and, but that might not be in the way you think we'll talk about it. Yeah. I mean, so. we're going to, we are going to talk about the process a little bit, but we're right. also going to talk about sort of our. A little more on why we did it. and Yeah. Our philosophy around it. And also just our thoughts about now that we're on this side of it. Um, <laughs> because I think that that is, you know, the worst is over, I guess, mm-hmm. uh, is, a, is a good way to say it. Um but yeah, we now have four four halves of pork hanging on our back porch, um, yes. which is odd to see. It is. Uh, that's where Tara usually stays, and so she's she's been moved <laughs> to the basement, which our basement isn't sort of a, uh, it's a walkout basement, so it has windows that she can look out right. and she and gets sunlight down there. Yeah, and lots of firewood. So she actually sees us more probably now than she did before because, yeah. you know, when she's inside, we're going down to the basement to get firewood. And so she sees us every time. Um, so we will be talking about that later on. And, but I, I just wanted to, you know, give a warning to, cause I know that some people are uncomfortable with it. And I guess the second part of my warning is if you are uncomfortable with it, you better be a vegetarian. <laughs> um, because, and that's part of what we're going to discuss later on. Uh, but first, we're going to start off with a, and we're, we're kind of in a, a somber mood this week. It's been sort of a, um, not only with, you know, the events of today, and that doesn't really put you in a good mood, yeah. um, but also this week, uh, we had a, I don't even know how this started. Um, oh, we got an email from Amazon, which, as many of you know, we we talk about our Amazon affiliate links, and in the sidebar of the blog, um, on the website, uh, Susie has the the books that she's currently reading or thinking about reading, uh, movies that we're watching, and links those to Amazon. Um, and we've talked about it on the show how we have our Amazon affiliate code, 
And uh, when you click through that and you make a purchase, whether of that item or of any item, um, we get a few pennies off that purchase or, you know, depending on what the purchase is, a few dollars. It's a small mm-hmm. percentage. Um, and this week I received an email that I had to fill out a, uh, is it W2 um, or a W9 or a, I don't know, one of those tax forms because um, somehow my name doesn't match with the tax identification number that we gave and I don't know, it whatever. So it looked kind of scammy. It was one of those emails where, you know, it was just like, eh, this isn't from Amazon. This is... This is because it said print off this form and send it in. And of course, you know, the form has your social security number and your address and everything else. All the everything anyone would need to steal your identity. Um, <laughs> so I was like, this is totally a scam. But I don't know. It was written in such a way that was seemed a little legit. So I I emailed or I got on uh, online yeah. chat with Amazon and they said, the, the lady initially said, no, oh, no, you know, we would never ask for that information through the mail. And mm-hmm. I said, that's what I thought. It seemed a little scammy. All right, thanks. I get an email about five minutes later that says, oh, yeah, that, actually, that is an email from us. Um, and you do need to fill that out and send it in or we're going to suspend your account in two weeks. And I, I, <laughs> so, I, yeah. Okay. So I got back on chat and said, um, you know, your representative said, I didn't have to do this. And then 10 minutes later, I get an email that says I did. So somehow was, you know, our chat conversation intercepted and then they scammers sent it, you know, I mean, that's reaching. Um, But, and he said, no, you know, that's, that's definitely from us. You need to fill that out. There's something weird with the records where your name doesn't match what's on your social security card. And I don't know. It was just really strange. But in the course of this conversation, he asked what state I was in, and I said Maine, and he said, oh, well, the information on your your you know payment form where they pay us mm-hmm. um, for the affiliate links is Ohio. He said, are you living in Maine? And I said, well, yeah. Um, and he said, oh, okay, well, I'm going to cancel your account. And I said, whoa, 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 whoa. What? You know, hold on a second. What are you talking about? Um well, here, and this all started with California a couple of years ago, and I can remember when it happened with yeah. California, that California decided to start charging sales tax or try to start charging sales tax mm-hmm. on internet purchases. And I don't know if they've actually been able to implement this I or not. I don't think so. Um, I'm not sure, though. I think it's still all kind of in the discussion planning. We'd like to do this. Supposedly it's illegal via interstate commerce classes and stuff, which yeah, is one of the hindrances to it. It's a very, very sticky subject and i've read i've actually read and heard a lot about it because Mm -hmm. back when this was happening with california um i was still listening to one podcast where they discussed it quite Mm -hmm. often um so the states want to charge sales tax on internet purchases and amazon's protest against that is to not allow their affiliate accounts in those states right because then Um, that's what the states use as kind of a rule that if they've got affiliates living there then they have places of business there which means they need to be paying sales tax in that state which is interesting because we pay income tax on that right because you're if especially if you make over six hundred dollars a year you're required to fill out the w9 yeah Um, the company sends you a 1099 
Oh, that's just way too many numbers. You're, I'm glad you're the financial person. Um, <laughs> but come to find out that um, other states, and, and there's actually a national law because um, some of the blogs I subscribe to have been up in arms against it mm-hmm. um, because of small business. But there's actually a... Uh, a, a federal law that is sort of along the same lines. But in the meantime, a lot more states are trying to implement it. And so I think there's seven or eight states now. And yeah. Maine happens to be one of them. So therefore, um, our Amazon affiliate account is going to go away. Right. Um, but I'm going to sign up for an Amazon Smile account, which this is funny. I've been thinking, wanting to do this anyway for the charity that I work for. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll just point all of my affiliate links and stuff towards that. Right. I think that's something you kind of sign up for once and then all everything you buy off Amazon goes through that. I'm going to need to do more research on it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just something I just started to... I just found out about it and started researching for a charity, so... And the reason that we're, uh, the reason that this saddens us greatly <laughs> um, is because the, the Amazon affiliate links, the, really the two ways, because we've decided not to do advertising on the blog and in the podcast, um, the two ways that we make money are through the Amazon affiliate links and through donations. donations. Yeah. Um, and donations have been decent mm-hmm. um and we and i i don't want to say that in a disparaging way because we appreciate mm-hmm. to all of them the nth degree every single person that finds enough value in what you're doing on the blog and what mm-hmm. we do on the podcast um to give us you know five or ten dollars a month or to give us one-time donation um and we talk about that every week but um the Amazon affiliate links were actually, uh, we were making, they were actually about 75% of the money that we were making mm-hmm. in total um, from the blog and the podcast. So we're losing it, 75% of our income from this. And it pretty much covered all of the direct bills associated with the blog. So right. hosting and all the domain names and the podcast hosting, because that comes separately. Mm-hmm. And some of those things, um, which and add, just the time, just the I mean the time which of, add up to a lot. So I mean, well, Amazon essentially covered. When I say the time, I meant my IT time because yeah. your your blog time, you basically your all the time you spend writing blogs and right. uh, blog posts. That's basically so it was nice because that pretty much covered that, so we didn't have to worry that much about coming up with the two hundred bucks a month that it cost us to keep this blog online. Right. Which is actually really kind of pricey when you right. think about it. Yeah. And a lot of people when you, because you posted that on Facebook this right. week and a lot of people are like, geez, $200 a month. You know, there's yeah. cheap post. There is. Um, we have had major problems with cheap hosting companies. Yeah. Um, and the blog is running on a dedicated server. Um, it actually is running on a dedicated server with a couple of other client sites. So that offsets it a little bit too. Um, but... Even so, the blog actually takes down the dedicated server sometimes. Um, yeah. So, so we're kind of in a 
in a in a bind and a bit of a pickle and a bit a bit of a uh, a, a sticky spot because seventy five percent of our income is gone. Um, now, again, maybe I should start selling hand crocheted scarves. Yes, maybe you could. <laughs> um, and every once in a while, we do sell things, and I, it, that's kind of the the point of this discussion is yeah. what what can we do, and we want your input on this uh i have to do calendars at christmas Mm -hmm. around christmas time you know change of the year i've been doing that for the past i don't know three or four years right um which that's one of those things that i only get a couple bucks from each one that sells but you know yeah people have a people tend to like those i think how much total did you make from that last year from your calendars 75 bucks yeah 75 dollars like that um so yeah, we're not looking to get rich. We don't, I mean, obviously, uh, or we wouldn't be doing... Uh, it would just be nice to cover at least the expenses that right. are directly associated because if we don't, I mean, that's just not something that, you know, it's not one of those things that's easy to mm-hmm. find the extra $150 in your budget for a blog. Right. Um, so that's kind of the, the question we want to put out there is what, you know, we believe in value for value. We've said that before. If if we're giving you value, then please give us some value back. But what would you consider, um, dear listener, what would you consider value that would um, lead you to give to to us or to buy something you know is there something that we can offer that uh and that's the other thing is we really you know i mean the more you have to make then the more time and so therefore you know and we don't really have time for kind of another business um we have enough of them going on as it is track and paying tax in 50 different states which is going to take tons of time right which that whole debate you know (laughs) vote no against internet tax please um and I will be contacting my representatives this week about this because it's just really, I mean, it's a huge loss for us. It just really is. Um, but, you know, we're not going to... It's a huge loss for a lot of people. I read an article in the local newspaper about an author who actually did, and if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you remember back when we were discussing um, um, like Kindle books or eBooks or whatever, mm-hmm. um, she went with the Amazon route because she knew then she would make money through the Amazon affiliates as by distributing her book. And when you sign up with Amazon, you sign a contract saying essentially that they're it's going to exclusivity. be exclusive with Amazon. And then a week after she signed and got everything up there, they pulled the affiliate account, which means that she's no longer going to be able to make any money from her ebook that she just spent a bunch of time and signed a contract to make it exclusive to Amazon. Huh. So, I mean, that's really frustrating. I know there are tons of authors in Maine. Um, I hope none of the rest of them have done this, but I'm guessing some have. So it's really stinks for those kinds of people right. in particular who were hoping to, I mean, make a decent supplement to their living that way so yeah it's kind of frustrating because one of the things that they're using as an excuse is oh well we think amazon is bad for small local business you know or people buying things off the internet is bad for small local business you know um but they don't think about the flip side that there are lots of small local businesses that sell stuff online right 
And that helps augment, that has helped actually keep a lot of small businesses open because they have a much bigger market that way. But now there's no way. I mean, I was like the little fabric shop that I love in Belfast. They just put up an internet store. Mm -hmm. And I can guarantee you that if they need to start collecting taxes for 50 different states and then sending in and filing those taxes, I don't know how long their internet store is going to be open because there are only a couple people that work there. Right. You know, and it's a really small shop. So, I mean, it's, I don't know. It's just really frustrating when politicians say one thing but they really have no idea what they're talking about and they don't take the time to think through all of the that's because they're politicians and they don't care either because they protect they don't really care about small local business because those people aren't those people aren't ponying up big bucks for their campaigns like amazon does so i mean it's kind of all a smoke screen i think but yeah but that's the thing is amazon's against it you know I mean, I know, but Amazon is in the news a lot, and then Amazon doesn't have to pay affiliates to people in Maine, and it just it saves them money. Yeah, I so. don't know. It's it's not a good situation, and that's the thing is, you know, we get busy blaming this person and that person, but uh, it's it's everybody's, you exactly. know, it's it's both their faults in a way. Um, so so that's kind of the situation we're in, and it's it's an interesting debate. We've been talking about it all week because this happened mm-hmm. early in the week, and um, Susie posted about it on Facebook. Uh, the good thing is, uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and she asked us not to mention her name, but because of that post on Facebook, um, we did have one listener and reader who uh, gave us a $200 donation. And nice. So one month covered. Yeah, so one month covered. So thank you very much. Uh, you know who you are. <laughs> and, but we were just, I mean, that and that came in right before we recorded the show tonight. Mm-hmm. And it was just a, um, a really nice surprise. So thank you very, very, very much. And thank you again to all of our monthly subscribers. That means a lot. Um, we also had one person, um, and I say person because it's, Difficult name. I'm terrible pronouncing names. So it's, I'm going to try it. Saoban? Saoban? I'll just say it quickly and then, you know, Saoban. Um, <laughs> last week on the podcast, she wrote, and I'm sorry about butchering your name. It's kind of like when people say Chiotes. I mean, we say Chiotes, but that's not how you actually pronounce Chiotes run. It's Chiotes. We're not French. Um, but we had a French friend and she's like, that is not how you say it. Um, but she had a suggestion, uh, Ben had a suggestion <laughs> last week in the comments, or she said, uh, I love the, love the podcast and look forward to it each week. I'm asking my husband to make a donation for my Christmas present. Um, what the would gift, be better? Giving, yeah, she it? said, <laughs> she said, what would be better than a year of podcasts? And that's, I mean, that means just that comment mm-hmm. means a lot because that people do value what we're doing um, means a lot to us. Mm-hmm. But uh, but it'd also mean a lot, too, if, you know, a donation came in. <laughs> <laughs> da, da, da. Um, so that's that. That's the support section. It's going to be a lot shorter from now on because I don't have to mention the Amazon affiliate links. <laughs> um, but please do, you know, as Susie said, we're going to try to transition our links to the nonprofit that she works for um, that does amazing work. And so, you know, if you don't have somebody, some other Amazon affiliate link that you can click through, then you could still come to the the blog because that'll support that. Um, 
Did we have anything else or are we going to get right into so. the topic? I feel like we should, but no now, quotes of the week. Or... No, we, we were discussing it because like I said, we're in a somber mood, not just because of the Amazon affiliate links. I think we're kind of over that. I mean, it is what it is and, you know, moving on kind of like in this podcast. Um, but we're we're kind of in a somber mood just because of uh, today and, and don't tune out yet. Uh, <laughs> sensitive people. Um, we'll tell you when. Um, today was was slaughter day. Um, our our pigs that we've raised. When did we get the pigs? May fifteenth. May fifteenth. So we've had had them, and the the interesting thing about pigs is that they have really, and these pigs in particular, um, because we've heard horror stories about uh, other pigs. Yeah. Um, and their personalities, but these pigs had great personalities. Mm-hmm. Um, we got them from a, uh, on a recommendation from a farm in New Hampshire, their mutts, um, the Neil, the guy that was helping us out today, um, s- to slaughter them said, what are those? I mutts, they've got a little <laughs> bit of everything. Um, but they're the great personalities. We would go out and, um, well, feed them every night. And of course that's, kind of a chore and halftime was annoying and halftime was funny once we figured out how to trick them into um, what we needed them to do yeah which was usually we would put one pot down and then while they kind of snacked on that pot we would take the other pot dump it in their trough and they'd go running over to the trough and then we'd grab the first pot that we'd put down for them and then dump that in the trough so you kind of had to um kind of trick them into it and then you start to see their personalities come out because the um and you were telling neil today that the female was a lot smarter than the male yes. <laughs> and she knew how to trick him into eating less food it was funny to watch every single night she was really smart and how would she do that well she would pretend there was always their trough has three compartments and there was always one that had way less than the others and so she would always go over because she would always be the first one to the trough after turning around from the the pot because she was just faster and so she would always run over and find the least full compartment and start eating there because she knew he would come running over and start eating out of the same compartment that she was eating out of and then she would move over and start gulping down as much food as possible from the bit the compartment that was super full and as a result she always ended up with more food because she used to be smaller than him but she ended up being just about the same size same size pretty close um at slaughter so yeah and they were i mean besides you know noticing stuff like that um they were also really good workers um we started them out in the garden and they plowed for us Mm -hmm. uh they and that's the main reason we got them to mm -hmm. work for us and for meat um obviously right um and they also cleared out a lot of the underbrush we have an area in between the garden and the chicken coop that's wooded and it had some underbrush in it and then down below the chicken coop area um there was another place that we want to basically clear all the woods out of and we'd like to plant um like hazelnuts and mast producing trees um apple trees just different kind of forage uh Mm -hmm. trees for future crops of pigs and other things or deer wildlife turkeys Uh yeah 
Whatever. I mean, it depends on what the future holds for us. But And, of course, while they're doing all this, they're fertilizing that area and making right. it, um, you know, better that way as well. So I think then, that's the thing that most people don't think about when they think about animals. Because animals have a lot of benefits besides the final products that they give. And generally, those products are more valuable than the end product. So I love having chickens for eggs and then occasionally for meat. I don't particularly like chickens, so, you know, it's just not... I'm not super excited to butcher chickens and have chicken on my table, but I do love eggs and we eat them every day. And I love having chickens that lay eggs for us because I love knowing what's in the eggs. But really having chickens has more to do with the manure to me is more valuable as a garden fertilizer because then I know it's really good manure. I don't have to buy in manure from other places and, you know, they're producing it for me. Plus they eat lots of bugs and keep the grass mode in areas that I have them fenced in. And I mean, in reality, animals provide such a huge, their biggest value isn't in their meat. Mm-hmm. But for, unfortunately, we've kind of lost that in our culture where animals are simply grown as a commodity for meat. And then we relegate them to these horrific conditions where they can be fattened up as quickly as possible. And kind of all of the things that are benefits then become huge environmental negatives Mm -hmm. which is kind of interesting and ironic and then you know we end up with all this cow manure slurry that's just horribly contaminated with all kinds of antibiotics and drugs and weirdness that's i mean essentially hazardous waste at that point and yet when at its basic level when the cows are eating grass and stuff it's great manure for the land Mm -hmm. um and then because we no longer have this great manure to put on the land, then we have to buy chemicals to spray on all the fields because we've got all the cows cordoned off in a couple places around the country. It just seems like such a it's such a disconnect with the natural rhythms and the natural cycles. That's kind of one of the things that we talk a lot about as far as simple living. It's I mean, because it's not simple at all. No. Growing and slaughtering your own pigs is not simple. No. Um, not in any way but it really puts you in tune with kind of the rhythms of nature and the the reasons some animals are around and the benefits to having them and um i mean that's one of the reasons we're kind of doing what we're doing is because we really appreciate that cycle and everything that the cycle brings to our lives because it definitely adds a richness to your life um richness sometimes not in the way you would expect richness mm-hmm. or you know the way that most people in society would think of richness mm-hmm. um because it's not all pleasant you right. know scooping all the poop out of the chicken coop isn't necessarily pleasant but it's what comes with the territory you know a lot of times we want to relegate all the unsavory aspects of our lives to somebody else mm-hmm. you know and we want to pay them a pittance to do all these things that we're not even willing to do ourselves well if you're not willing to do it yourself you actually should be paying someone a really high price to do these things but mm-hmm. that's not the case since they're supposedly crappy demeaning things to do well and because of that in order to do those things then more cheaply corners have to be cut and yeah. that brings you back to what you started with mm-hmm. which was you know these in speaking of animals and food in particular um you end up with chickens that are in battery cages that are you know can't even 
stretch their wings so that they can just sit there and poop out eggs all day mm-hmm. and you know so you can have a dozen eggs for a buck and it's like really is that is 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 that really worth it um and i said today uh while we were slaughtering i said um i said everyone should experience this and you said yeah like come and watch and i said no i every single person if you're a meat eater um if that or or you know any kind of even for vegetarians um you know if it, vegetarians i'm probably going to offend like half the audience in my next couple statements here <laughs> but even vegetarians that just go to whole foods and buy everything and then mm-hmm. go home and eat it i mean you don't you have no idea the work that goes into that and and when you think about i mean there are mass there are kfo you know uh lettuce growing operations oh, yeah. where where mexican workers are being paid nothing and being you know basically yeah. abused in order to get you cheap organic quote unquote lettuce yeah you that's know, the thing it, is it's not necessarily um only a product of meat is not necessarily the only product that has um those kinds of factors with it mm-hmm. um i think that any kind of large-scale commercial agriculture um, across the board, whether it's meat, lettuce, or whatever. Personally, I don't eat any of it because there are, um, I mean, as far as death and just not appreciating life, tomatoes are just from the grocery store just as bad as pork. In my opinion, I've read a lot of stories about, um, that's kind of something that I keep up on is the, the uh, like the transient workers and the um, agricultural workers, those kinds of things, you know, the, the things that those people go through is really horrific. I mean, when you see pictures of their kids, they're around so many chemicals. Some of their kids are born with all kinds of deformities and a lot of them have young kids and because they're transient, they don't go to school. But then these kids, you know, they can't afford childcare for these kids. So some of them spend all day sitting in their car some of them end up putting their kids to work on the farms because the farms will still employ them, you know, and the kids are around all these toxic chemicals and, you know, the whole, I mean, it's not just confined to meat mm-hmm. um, as far as the ridiculousness and the relegating of things to a commodity because, you know, farm workers are essentially a commodity when it comes to vegetables, which is really unfortunate. Um yeah, the system as a whole, I mean, as far as food across the board is really broken. And we, you know, and that's one of the reasons I do it. That's why I grow my own tomatoes or buy it from a local farmer. If I'm buying meat, I'm not growing. It comes from a local farm. So does everything else. You know, that's why I don't buy stuff at the grocery store because in my opinion, it has to be, I mean, I'm an all or nothing kind of person. So yes, that's you just, are. I mean, that's just how I am. When yeah. I find out about something, I'm like, well, I'm never buying another tomato at the grocery store. And I haven't bought another tomato at the grocery store. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just one of those things that, you know, you have to continually kind of read and expand and try to make sure you're... Um, you're being responsible. Exactly. Yeah. That's, I mean, it's all about responsibility. Yeah. And that's the other, you know, we don't want to be responsible for our actions today either. Yeah. We would rather push that responsibility off on someone else or it's somebody else's fault that, you know, X, Y, and Z is happening. Um, And we've talked before about, you know, out of sight, out of mind. Mm -hmm. And, 
we've had many examples in our life where where we've viewed that in a very real way where people just you know we'll talk about something like this we'll talk about where you know do you know where that burger came from um yeah. and not i don't want it to sound like you know we're we throw that out over when we're having dinner with friends or something um no but sometimes people bring it up and yeah and then you start to discuss it and and next thing you know you get that you know, deer in the headlights look. And we've had people tell us, we don't want to hear about this stuff. Yeah. Because, and, you know, several people have told us, because we, ignorance is bliss, you yeah, know. We don't want to feel bad when yeah. we sit down to eat dinner. And, and, but there are ways not to. Exactly. You just have yeah. to. You have to put work into it. You have to be responsible. It. But it brings so much. And we talked about that earlier. It brings so much more richness to your life. Um, you know, I mean, I have so many people that I have met through because I, we decided to not buy food from huge farms. We have so many farmers that we've met and so many people that we've become friends with simply because of that. And therefore our lives are, you know, our community and our web of people around us is huge because of that. And I've had great conversations with people and just have developed really great friendships because of that. You said, and early. so I mean, my milk means a whole lot to me. It's not just milk at that point, right? You know, that's and that's really kind of what we've lost, and I think what a lot of people search for um, in a lot of different places and don't realize that it simply comes from. And we talked about building community mm-hmm. back, I don't know, a couple episodes ago, and that's really what it all kind of comes down to. Because I mean, we're social creatures. Whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, you still need social a social circle and people around you and relationships and really our lives are all about relationships Mm -hmm. um well and i think an authenticity too mm -hmm. not just you know seeing people or talking to people is one thing but being authentic with people and being real with people and that's and that even goes back to you know your food and and your milk and and all Mm -hmm. those other things you know is that thing real um is it authentic? And and if it is, that adds to the experience of, you know, drinking a glass of milk. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love our milk not just because it tastes amazing and has different tastes throughout the year, which is, I think, so cool, you know, depending on if the cows are eating grass or what they're doing. Um, it's slightly pepperminty milk earlier this spring because <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the cows got into the peppermint patch. <laughs> um, but even just knowing that our money that we put in the little jar every week is helping out, you know, the person that we're buying milk from or whatever it might be. Um, You said earlier, we made a comment about experiences Mm -hmm. and good experiences and bad experiences. Uh, Because you said, well, and it's so funny, just as a little side note anecdote, um, it's it's funny when we have days like today where something major happens because, and especially when we know we're going to talk about it on the podcast, yeah. it's so hard for us because we are constantly discussing things. We're and like so, debriefing all the time. Yes. And so I kept <laughs> saying today, nope, don't talk about that. We should talk about it on the podcast. Um, so, so now we get to talk about all these things. But you you said today that um, you said we sure ha- sh- sh- we sure have had some experiences in our life, haven't we? Mm-hmm. And I said, yeah. 
and not all good ones, you know, and then that led to a discussion about good experiences and bad experiences. And is there really such a thing? Is there or really is an such experience thing? just an experience and yeah. you can make of it good or bad? Um, because it seems like people, so this is such a generalization, but it seems people don't want to have bad experiences or, or, Again, is there such a thing as good experience or bad experience? And I think we have set up, you know, okay, what happened today for part of it would have been a bad experience. Yeah. <laughs> I had a bad experience. Um, good quote from a movie. Um, but is it a bad experience if something good comes from it? Is it, you know, if you learn from it or if... Like we said, if something authentic comes from it, isn't then it isn't that then a good experience? Yeah, that's and, what. Yeah, and in a way, then because I think experiences were just experiences. There, it's it's like a unisex, <laughs> you know. <laughs> it's not male or female. It's not good or bad. It's just an experience. Yeah. But I think the mindset that we take going into it, during and after, can turn it into a good or a bad experience because we've had a lot of what most people would consider quote-unquote bad experiences in our life but we've never necessarily seen them as bad experiences because you're always gaining something from them Mm -hmm. um and there you just never know i mean i've always been of the mindset that you just never know i think everything happens for a reason and um a bad experience could end up being something good later Uh, a lot of times we really can't see the full scope of everything that's happening to fully understand and make them like just fully understand what's going on Mm -hmm. at the time a lot of time hindsight is way better and that can turn what were seem like bad experiences at the time into good experiences when you really look at it which gives you a whole different mindset and when you're going through things maybe to be a little more open-minded and maybe to try to get to the point where you know bad equals good Mm -hmm. during instead of five years down the road Mm -hmm. um, being a little more i don't know what you want to call that and i it comes back to a mindset really yeah um because i think you it's hard to in the heat of the moment so to speak to make that decision that yeah you know I'm going to turn this frown upside down. (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, But we had an experience today. Yeah. That was for sure. Um, And if you're of sensitive uh, pallor, that's the wrong word, but um, you may want to fast forward. May want to fast forward a little bit. we're not going to get graphic. We're not going to get too detailed um, about one person on Facebook said, please, please, please don't post pictures of you slaughtering your pigs. Yeah. Um, and we decided not to. And in fact, you didn't I take many took pictures. I a couple pictures just because I feel like it's, you know, it's a very kind of intimate thing. Well, it's an experience. Um, yeah. When you, it's, it's a whole different ballgame when you have, um, raised the animals for now of course these weren't piglets that were born on our farm but i know plenty of people who do have piglets born on their farm and they raise them to slaughter weight and uh slaughter them for 
their customers and stuff. So while they didn't, I mean, we, they've been here with us for six months. Um, I think one of the things that makes them a little different than some of the other livestock is that there aren't any pigs left. Yeah. I think if we had um, maybe a breeding pair of pigs that were always here, that would make it a slightly different experience um, because there is kind of that void mm-hmm. that the pigs where the pigs were mm-hmm. because they're a large animal. I mean, yeah. we had 600, 650 pounds of pig walking around um, and they were right up by the chicken coop. And they, whenever we would pull up in the driveway, they would come down because they could come down to the edge of their fence and kind of see us. Didn't matter what time of day we came home, they would come down and see us. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were always, I mean, they're just big animals that were mm-hmm. always around and you're interacting with them I think multiple that's a big times thing. daily. But I think that because there are no pigs left, that's like the yeah. biggest, um, I think that's what makes it a little different than slaughtering chickens and ducks. I think for me too, it's the interaction because I did yeah. interact with them. You know, with chickens, we have one chicken, we call her friendly chicken, um, that we can pick up and that we can hold and we can pet her and everything yeah. else. But the rest of them, you know, as soon as you get near them, they run away unless you have food. And even then, you try and touch them and they run away. Um, the guineas, forget about it. Uh, <laughs> the ducks, I've gotten to the point where I can pick up ducklings pretty easy and mom and duck doesn't freak out. Uh, but the rest of them, you know. They let me it, scratch their bellies. Well, for me, they just run away. I feed them, though. Yeah. So... But I think I have a slightly different experience with all those animals, too, because I do feed them daily, so I interact with them several mm-hmm. times a day, whereas the pigs, you did help me feed the pigs, so that was one animal you were feeding every single day with me mm-hmm. and interacting there for. But I'd go out and scratch them. I mean, yeah. whenever I'd go out and they'd be standing at the fence, I'd go out and give them a back scratch, and mm-hmm. they they were hilarious because as soon as you start scratching their back, they'd kind of arch up their back, and then they'd wiggle around a little bit, and then all of a sudden, boom, they'd fall over, mm-hmm. you know, and so then you'd scratch their belly a little, and... They were a lot like a dog, you know, very similar personality to a dog. Um, So we, uh, today was slaughter day and Neil came over. Um, Neil is, uh, or was a chef and has done a a lot of of interesting things. We had a lot of time to talk today and just getting to know him and getting to know his story. And he's on the uh, fire department um, up the road and he's done butchery workshops, Mm -hmm. um, having people to his farm and and doing that. And so uh, we asked him a while ago if uh, he'd be willing to come help us out and teach us you know, the slaughtering technique and also butchery. And I've field dressed deer deer before and, you know, we've slaughtered chickens, we've slaughtered ducks. Um, So the, uh, I guess the killing part and like the the gross part of, you know, of of (laughs) taking out all the innards and everything, um, that doesn't necessarily bother us. I know that that's not your favorite part, the innards part. Um, it doesn't, that doesn't bother me. Uh, I could take or leave that part. Right. Leave it pretty much. The hard part with the, and, and that's the kind of the funny thing is, you know, the differences that we've discussed with the pigs to the other animals, but the biggest difference with this one is just the actual killing part. Mm -hmm. Um, with, our ducks and our chickens up to this point, we've used the hatchet method mm-hmm. where basically you, we, I have a very, very sharp hatchet um, and one blow and that's it. You know, the head comes off and 
there's a little bit of flinching, just like they're uh, uh, not flinching, like but muscle nerves. spasms. Yeah. Um, you know, just like there is with anything, but they are they are not feeling anything. Mm-hmm. Um, with uh, and we're going to start to use a, a killing cone, which we ordered, um, just to cut down on the sort of thrashing around with their wings. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I hunt. Uh, you know, I've I've killed several deer. Um, I've killed squirrels innumerable. Um, you know, other various animals. Uh, so. But with with pigs, it's a little different mm-hmm. um, because it's up close and personal. First of all, um, you're, you know, the eyes that you've looked into for six months now, as you feed them and scratch their bellies and so on, are now staring at you. Um, and Neil actually pulled the trigger on both of them, um, and he used just you know to get into the details. He used a twenty two Magnum. Um, which he said, you know, was a, a good caliber, not too big, won't do damage to the meat or anything, but enough to to get the job done. Um, but when he started looking at our pigs, because they're mutts, he said, mm-hmm. wow, their head structure is way different than ours, or than, you know, mm-hmm. anything I've seen before. He said their foreheads are way more uh, sloped. Mm-hmm. So um, we put some food on the ground for the pigs, and... Uh, Problem number one was they started sort of fighting, fighting over the food. Which pigs do. That's which pigs, yeah, what pigs that's do. they do. But it kind of got them, you know, moving around a lot. And so Neil had to reposition himself a few times. Um, and the first pig that he shot, it just wasn't... Um, instant. It wasn't like instant, it right. Um, it, and when you're in the moment, it seems like it's one of those It seemed like it lasted hours. It's like the tv where everything stops yeah everything is in slow motion you know like a raindrop takes 15 seconds to fall and it's just one of those situations and in reality it's probably five ten seconds maybe yeah um but in the moment it's just not doesn't feel that way right it's like time stands still and he told us before he walked over there he said Anything can happen. He said, just, and you know, and Susie and I, like I said, we, I mean, we've slaughtered animals before, so we know what to expect. Um, but and I've read about and heard lots of people talk about pig slaughter, and actually the first one is what I've always heard. Mm-hmm. So I pretty much thought that was normal. Right. Thankfully, um, it wasn't. Right. I mean, I'm, it can happen, so it's not unusual. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Thankfully, the second one was instant. Yeah, um, which is the way it should be. But unfortunately, that isn't the way it always happens. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just one of those things. I mean, you're dealing with a lot of variables. So right. So that. But in the same way, it's also still way less stressful for the animal than if we would have tried to load them right. up in a trailer and cart them. 20 miles away and dropped them off at a facility where they're in the corral with a ton of other pigs and just these experiences that they've never had before, particularly around pigs, I think, Mm -hmm. because as we've been working with these pigs, pigs really like routine Mm -hmm. and they like normal and usual. Mm -hmm. And if they see or sense anything out of the usual, they know Mm -hmm. and they start really easily. Um, 
I mean, even when you would move, when we moved the electric fences, they would walk up to where the electric fence was and stop, Yeah, you know, and you had to coax them over that line. They're, they're that routine based. And you had to make sure you always talked and were audible when you were going up there, Mm -hmm. because if they didn't hear you and they turned around and saw you, you know, that would just kind of freak them out and they would take off running. Um, So I think pigs in particular for us, it was kind of important that we do it here so they're not. Now, I mean, who knows if that'll be the way in the future, but um, that's one of the reasons we chose to do it here. And Well, that's I was thinking about that, and I didn't say anything about this because I figured we could discuss it on the podcast. Um, because as we were talking to Neil, and, you know, we said, do you, do you still slaughter your own pigs? Mm-hmm. And he said, well, I have, you know, I do sometimes, he said, for the same reasons you just mentioned, um, and for the heritage of it, because he's very yeah. much into keeping those traditions alive. Because um, it is extremely traditional mm-hmm. to do it on the farm. Generally, it was like a big hog butchering day where everybody would come together the family um you would do a, a bunch and then everybody had their own chores every, you know their own chores that they did associated with it if anyone's ever read um house in the big woods the laura angles wilder the first one she talks about that in there kind of from a kid's perspective which i always loved this part of the story when i was a kid um and it's a good read if you haven't read it um as far as like the the history and the heritage mm-hmm. of any kind of slaughtering or sugaring or all of these events were always, it's kind of like the corn bee we went to. Mm-hmm. Um, it would be nice to be able to bring some of that back to, and I know Andrew Odom, who we interviewed for um, early days, early days, like the tiny house yeah. and um, living within your means, that kind of stuff. He, they raised pigs and they had a family butchering day with, um, I think it may have been his wife's family helped mm-hmm. out. Um, but that would be great. I would really, I think that would be really great because that's part of it too, I think, is having more people around and making it more of a celebration because mm-hmm. it's harder to do when it's just yourself mm-hmm. to really feel like you're honoring what you're doing and mm-hmm. what is happening. You know, and I know that a lot of traditional cultures have special celebrations and things that they do after slaughter and with certain parts of the animal and that kind of thing. Um, it would re- be really nice because we're still, I mean, we don't have that heritage. So Mm-mm. it's kind of, when, and I know Nebraska Dave talked about that um, in his comment today on the blog. He said that his family always did it maybe until he was about 10. And then he said, you know, all the women had their jobs in the kitchen and all the men had their jobs in, outside. And he said he was like seven or eight years old and he was in charge of cutting the lard fat into one inch cubes for rendering and thought that was really great and loved being a part of it. Um, so I don't know. I don't know. It's just one of those. It would be, be nice to be able to recapture some of that, mm-hmm. I think. And Neil did say that he has taken some of his pigs. Um, there was a kind of a small local, mm-hmm. there are a couple small local ones processing around facilities around here. Um, but, but he's also told us a couple of horror stories about taking his pigs in right. to get them to slaughtering facilities. And he usually gets them slaughtered and gets them back by the half so that he can, um, he prefers the, the, the cutting up of the meat and the making of hams. And he kind of, that's his thing. He loves to make traditional sausages and all different, he's trained in the European methods of that. So that's kind of his thing. It's not mm-hmm. so much the slaughter and the, 
Which I don't know how slaughtering could be your thing. I mean, right. the part that you like. Right. Because there's nothing... There's no, nothing enjoyable the, about it. No. You know, but it, it it's a necessary step, obviously, right. to in the process. Um, but what I was thinking today, where I was going with that comment before we went down another road, um, I thought, you know, would we want to do this in the future? Will we want to do this again? Cause we've already said we want to raise pigs again. We right. like pigs. They did yep. good work for us. They, you know, put the manure down everything that we talked about, but would we want to process or slaughter them again? Um, and I was thinking, well, I don't know. I think I would rather have somebody else do it, but, I wouldn't want them stressed out transporting. So maybe we could bring someone else here. Well, no, no, no. I was thinking, well, maybe we can, you know, shoot them here. Yeah. And then take them to be yeah. processed. And But then I thought, well, you wouldn't want to do that because after you shoot it, you have to stick it to bleed it. Yeah. So you'd have to do that. And then I thought, well, you really wouldn't want to leave the innards in it you know, yeah. for too long. So then you'd have to do that. Well, at, at that, that point, point you cut it in half and you're done. Yeah. Um, so we might as well just continue to do it ourselves. We should take the pigs on a trailer ride every single week. So they actually look forward <laughs> Get to, tra- to trailer rides instead of them being stressful. <laughs> just like the car rides. Of course, also the not having a livestock trailer makes it a little more difficult to transport pigs. Yeah, so that's true. I don't know that they'd fit in the back of our mini Cooper. <laughs> well, we could modify the utility trailer. Uh, <laughs> To, yeah, we to probably work. could. Um, but yeah, I. It's one of those things, yeah. And I think we talked about this a little bit because we were talking about. Um, we were kind of discussing as we were cleaning up whether we'd want to do it again. And it's one of those things that's if not. It took a lot less time than expected, and we both said that we started yeah. it. Neil got here at what, like eight fifteen, and by the time we kind of got everything ready and going, it was nine, maybe yeah. a little later. Yep. Um, he was gone by noon to go to a lunch date, um, and we had killed both pigs, killed both pigs, scalded both pigs, scraped both pigs, mm-hmm. because you have to, and maybe we should explain this process a little bit more. I know that we do have a lot of readers and listeners that have been wanting to hear about some of the specific processes because they've been wanting to do it themselves as well. So, you know, you kill the pig, you scald it so we well, use, you have to stick it first you have to stick it right which to is bleed it out basically cutting its neck uh to get the the blood out of it right um well and before you do that after he shot it we tied a chain around one leg and then luckily we have a tractor mm-hmm. um with a, a front end loader on it and a, a hook so we hooked up the chain and we lifted it up and then he stuck it and you tried to capture a lot of the blood um mm-hmm. and we're going to use that you know, for various things, for blood meal, for the gardens, for... There's, it's very valuable. You can feed yeah. it to your animals, your chickens, your dogs. Um, we just we opted not to make blood sausage. Some people do that. Mm-hmm. Um, that's actually very traditional and super popular, particularly in Colombia, where I'm from. Um, but it's good for the garden, um, definitely. I mean, you buy blood meal. It's a, And that's, that's another reason we chose to do it here, because then you do get a lot of the things that you otherwise send somewhere else Mm -hmm. and something that becomes kind of a hazard that other places because they're processing a lot of animals have to deal with some of these things as hazardous waste you necessarily don't have to of course it depends on your state and the country that you live in because some countries like great britain are kind of crazy they don't let Mm -hmm. people 
um, slaughter on their own facility. Yeah. But it's really a way to capture all that and to really close the loop as to what is happening and coming onto your farm. Because I do use blood meal in the garden. I don't necessarily always want to, but sometimes you need the nitrogen. Now, it's nice that I hopefully don't have to buy blood meal from... They probably come from CAFO places, which then you have to worry about some contamination there. Because I have pig blood that I can use instead. Mm. So, I don't know. So then the next thing was lift... You know, it's already lifted up um, after we drained the blood. And then we took it over to uh, a scalder, which Neil had brought a tank in um, that we had built a fire under... I started the fire at 6 a.m. And we put a couple handfuls of wood ash in it to make it um, a little alkaline. Um, It's like lye. Some people put some lye in it. I think probably the professional. Um, And then... We lowered the pig down into that and kind of swooshed it around, which this process is similar for processing um, chickens, chickens and ducks, and ducks <laughs> turkeys, you know, anything that you want to get the, the well, actually with the wild turkey, we didn't dip we it, did we? it. Um, but we, we scalded it, uh, we put it in there and then he would check it every once in a while, pull some hair out and try and pull mm-hmm. a little bit of skin off and then lifted it back out with the tractor and took it over to um, a table and set it down on the table. And then he had... Um, bell scrapers, they're called. Yeah, bell scrapers. And then we also used uh, knives, mm-hmm. like a, a sharp butcher knife. Um, butcher knife? Is mm-hmm. that correct? Yeah. Uh, sh- was it? It was like a boning knife. Yeah, it's or kind a of in chef's knife, the... kind of. Yeah, anyway, we had a couple different um, knives. We use those two to you scrape the skin, and you want to get kind of the top layer off, but not anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but that also gets a lot of the hair off then too, and you can kind of shave with the knife a little bit too um, to get most of the hair off. Um, that takes a while. That's yeah. kind of intense work. And we, we would go and get more water um, out of the the mm-hmm. scalder and pour it over to loosen up more of the skin and the hair. Um, next, we lifted it back up so it was hanging. And we, we put uh, a gambrel, so it was, uh, which goes through both of its legs and spreads its legs apart a little bit. Um, then the next part was to, to gut it uh, and to get all of the... Uh, internal organs out Um, and I mean I won't really describe that process because it's about what you'd be thinking the pig's hanging upside down snout down Um, and so basically you just very carefully cut it from Mm -hmm. top to bottom um, open up the chest cavity and then get everything out of there Um, and of course there's considerations because you're dealing with internal organs and you know possible contamination if you nick anything um and in fact in the second one he did nick a a small part of the intestine but he got everything out quickly so there wasn't you know a lot of contamination that way which that happens i mean i had yeah that happens occasionally i've had deer before that have been gut shot you know and that's just it's one of those things you got to get it out and you got to rinse it and and just take care of it as quickly as possible um and then the the last step is to uh, cut it in half, mm-hmm. and um, we have a, a bone, saw. bone saw for that. Um, and you basically just it's like a hacksaw. Yeah, it's a specially made hacksaw. You, but it's basically a hacksaw. Yeah. You start at the top and um, go down to the bottom and cut it in half, and and that's that. Um, 
we brought it into our back porch and we, I went to, um, the hardware store and got a piece of, uh, schedule 40 pipe, which is thick pipe, um, and drilled three holes in it, put three bolts, eye bolts, and then put three hooks hanging from the rafters of our back porch and then hung that pole up there. And, um, we hung on it last night to test it out, which mm-hmm. actually both of us combined are about 150 pounds shy of, uh, of the, <laughs> our two hogs. of our two hogs that are hanging out there right now. Um, and then we we brought them in and we hoisted them up and and hung them up. Um, so now as we sit here at the dining room table, we can look out the back window onto the back porch and see a half a hog hanging there. See, yeah, four four halves, but we can see one out of the window. And you kept then saying we're gonna hang it for a couple of days, and then Tuesday Neil's coming back Tuesday morning, um, and then we're gonna get it all cut up into roasts and pieces for bacon and get some hams and stuff ready um so tuesday that'll be the day when we work on all that stuff yeah so that was that's kind of the process um it's actually really simple and not involved not as involved as you would think it would be mm -hmm. um it's really it's like anything i think any animal is kind of the same at its core some are just bigger than others right? and have slightly different anatomy. Um, we processed the inner, internal organs. Most of those are going to go toward to the animals. The little garage cat got some um, pork jowl for supper. Mm-hmm. Um, the dogs each got half a one of the hearts. One of the hearts we're going to keep for ourselves. Um, so the dogs each got half a heart. And then uh, that was enough for Lucy. But Tara also got a big piece of liver. Um, and they were all super happy about that. The intestines got buried in the back where we're going to plant a hedge. So mm-hmm. they will fertilize a future hedge. Um, you can compost them as well. Um, and the rest, yeah, the rest of it, as far as the, besides the intestines, which the culture in Colombia, they use those, you know, they rinse them out and cook them or make sausage with them, all kinds of stuff. Uh, we decided against that <laughs> <laughs> for her first time around. At least this time and yeah. probably every time. Um, <laughs> I only can go so far. <laughs> That's kind of my limit, I think. I did buy some hog casings, though, in case I want to mm-hmm. make sausage from some other hog, I suppose, where somebody else processed them. Um but that's just something I, I can't handle that. I'm super sensitive to smells. And there's a smell. Slaughtering has its own specific smell. And uh, I can only handle that for so long. And the intestines are kind of what produces that smell. So mm-hmm. there's no way I could ever do that. There's just, I know physically, that smell being too close to it for too long would definitely produce in me a gag reflex now i have to say it was much better doing this outside Mm -hmm. where there's a lot of fresh air typically i'm usually the one when we do chickens we pluck we both pluck for a while and then once i get we get like three or four chickens done then i come inside and i typically do all the eviscerate and everything of the chickens inside which is really kind of a bad idea because then the kitchen smells like slaughter so definitely we need to think about building some sort of an outdoor thing because that was definitely Mm -hmm. way better i think personally as far as when i was dealing with all the internal organs it was way better being outside in the fresh air Mm -hmm. but yeah we processed all those and it's nice to think that 
everything is going to end up being beneficial and useful here in our place. Um, that is one nice thing about it. And I have to say, we were talking to, I've talked to a couple different people um, this week. Um, and they all said, wow, pigs, those are big animals. Those are going to be really hard to slaughter or they're going to be because they're so big. Um, you know, and I was thinking about it when I was up closing up the chickens tonight and I looked up and saw, you know, the empty pig house where they're always sleeping and thought to myself, you know, that's funny because I don't think the physical aspect is ever the hardest part of slaughter. Mm -hmm. It's just not it. Yeah. I was uh, looking up Mary Crabtree um, posted on oh, yeah. Facebook because uh, you posted a, Neil, a picture of Neil on Facebook. And she said, as a vegetarian, I do appreciate the respect that you and Brian show to the animals that you raise and eat. It's one thing to go to the store and purchase a package of meat, but to raise them, care for them, and slaughter them for food is a whole different level of commitment to the food chain. It's not for me, but that's not to say that I don't understand and admire those who do this right. And then there was a, another commenter, Barbara, who said, to be able to usher your livestock both into and out of life is one of the biggest gifts and biggest responsibilities we, ha we homesteaders have. Um, I think that's true. I think it really does kind of, and it brings a deep sense of appreciation, appreciation mm -hmm. um, for not just that aspect of your life either, because I think that that's something that you can cultivate. And I think that this just is a lot more, um, it's just like at the core of everything, life mm -hmm. and death. And when you're dealing with that, it's just, it, it definitely brings an appreciation and a realization when you do eat meat, where it comes from it makes you, want to make sure that nothing is wasted. So, I mean, that's one of the things that I really appreciate. One of the main reasons why we do it here to close that gap and to make sure we're utilizing as much as possible. And while some of it ends up being dog food, it still ends up being dog food. And then the dogs protect the ducks and, you know, they're, it's healthy for them um, as well. And we're not bringing in food from elsewhere for them mm -hmm. um, when we don't have to. So, I don't know. It's one of those it's one of those interesting things that isn't fun and isn't no. necessarily pleasant. Mm -mm. But it's something we feel a deep sense of responsibility for and feel kind of a necessity to do it. Even though every time you do it you think, yeah, it would be so much easier to just oh, yeah. palm this responsibility off on someone else. But then I fear that you would maybe lose that ability because it really does kind of make you think about things a little more deeply than you normally would when yeah. you're having these gritty experiences that a lot of people don't want to have because they're, I mean, they are unpleasant, but they're a fact of life. And it's something that comes because we want to be sustained by, I mean, yeah. and every food has death associated with it. Um, yeah, you and said it's something we need to think about. I you think. said today, even if you get your meat from the grocery store, you still have blood on your hands. Yeah, you know, it's just I just really have blood on my hands, right? You know, and I'm not pretending that I don't. And I, I, 
I don't want to sound too philosophical or cheesy, but I really think that there's something that is, it's good for your soul to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, because like you said, it makes you really appreciate everything that you have. I and I, think I, I talked yeah. about that in the hunting episode mm-hmm. um, a while ago that, you know, the, whenever I'm out hunting, especially deer, um, because deer are big animals as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but every deer I shoot, I mean, I take a minute and I just think about, you know, the, the, the thankfulness that I have that this animal is giving its life so that I can eat. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that means a lot. And that means, you know, even more so that, that animal is completely anonymous to me. Right. And, and, you know, these animals weren't. Um, but it, I'll tell you what, I appreciate all that pork that's hanging on the back of our porch. Yeah. Um, you know, it was a lot of work to, to get it to that stage. And, uh, mm-hmm. it was definitely a lot of work today to, Maybe not physical work, but definitely emotional and uh, mental work uh, to to get it to where it is right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so now we get to enjoy it. <laughs> now, now comes the good parts. Um, so you had you found a a quote from Teddy Roosevelt, which which I really like. Why don't you go ahead? And, and- I found this on my friend's blog. I have a friend who uh, blogs. I'm not sure if she listens to the podcast or not. Um, so let me, uh, um, get you the exact name of her blog. It's called picturingtheordinary.blogspot.com. Um, and Sierra has, she's been reading the blog for a long time. We actually Mm -hmm. met at a wedding and she was like, oh yeah, you have a, you write a blog, don't you? And she's Mm -hmm. got, she's been reading my blog for a while. And then it was funny to meet her out and about at a random place kind of, but she's a blog and she, uh wrote on there today she has a disabled son um and an older you know a grade school daughter and so i read her blog today and this it quote was on fitting. there which i've read it before <laughs> um i uh i think it was in there's a really good book called franklin and eleanor i think it's called um and i think this was in that book well this would be the other roosevelt oh Okay, so that's not it. Where was this then? Oh, yeah, no. No, but I think it may have been in there because I mm-hmm. think uh, he may have, mm-hmm. you know, I think it was in the book. Maybe not. I'm pretty sure it was, though. You want me to read it? Sure. All right. From a speech Teddy Roosevelt delivered. It is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again, because there is no effort without error and shortcoming. But who does actually strive to do the deeds? Who knows great enthusiasm and great devotions? Who spends himself in a worthy cause? Who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, oh, it goes to the next page, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly. And I think that's 
I mean, I don't know. That's kind of fitting because it's one of those things we were talking about at the beginning. Good experiences or bad experiences, you know, achievement or no achievement, whether they're success or failure. Um, the real value lies in the journey. Mm-hmm. And that's what we talk about, being mindful, you know. That's 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 our goal. That's the thing we want to do. That's not just the thing we talk about. That's the thing we want to do in our lives and encourage other people to do that. And we want to be mindful and live in the not-so-pleasant experiences as much as the pleasant ones because they're a part of life just as much as anything else is. And they're the things that make the pleasant parts of life a little more sweeter it's like you wouldn't know joy if there was no pain and that's very true um and you value the joyous times in your life because you've had painful times in your life and we shouldn't live our lives trying to avoid pain because then we just avoid some of the learning and empathy and so many things that come from it I'd rather be a farmer I'd rather work the land I'd rather see the mountain sides I'd rather see your hand I'd rather swim the ocean I'd rather not pretend I'd rather do some thinking now Somehow it all depends If I could fly away from me To ride this wind above the see my hometown I'd rather hold my wife I'd rather never question things That's the story of my life I'd rather not be crying I'd rather just be whole rather brave the cleansing fire I'd rather feed my soul If I could fly away from me To ride this wind above the tree
open to suggestions I'm crying out to you I'm ready to be finished here I'm ready for this season to If I could fly away from me To ride this wind above the trees And go to Face the longing 